So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. I'm super, super excited and honored to have my guest with me today. This guy is a sales keynote speaker. He's a best-selling author of five books. And, and I, I've got to say, Sales Differentiation was one of my absolute all-time best sales books. He's founder of the Sales Architects and the Revenue Accelerator. Lee Souls, thank you so much for joining me today. Tony, the privilege is mine. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So, Lee, I always like my guests just to share a bit about their journey of how they got into sales and really how you got to, to be one of the leading sales legends that live today. So tell us a bit about your story. Oh, you're, you're, you're too kind, first of all. So um, I'm a competitive power lifter. <clears throat> I'm yeah. 51 years old and, and still do it. Um, and my journey began in fitness. Mm. In college, I managed a gym, and I decided I was going to have a career in fitness, mm. and then I discovered there's no money in it. Yeah. But I really liked the sales part of it, and so used that as a launching pad, and I said, you know, fitness is a great hobby, mm. but sales is, is really where I'm going to focus my career. Mm. Love that. I love that. And, and how, how, what was the first sales role that you started? Uh, first sales role, it's kind of interesting. This is also what inspired this whole differentiation journey that I'm on. Mm. When I was a teenager, we had a family friend who decided to start a dry cleaning business. Mm. He didn't open up a store. He said, you know, I think we can have this business where we're just the transportation. Yeah. We're going to pick up the dirty clothes. We're going to take them to the dry cleaner and we're going to return them. Brilliant. And I was intrigued by that because, number one, he'd be charging a premium price for this service. Yeah. He wasn't saying my dry cleaner is better than any other dry cleaner. He was selling convenience. Mm. And so that, I was his driver. And, mm. of course, I was also helping to sell the service. Mm. And, and that's what inspired this journey that I'm on around sales differentiation, Thanks. seeing how we can differentiate ourselves in a way that people are willing to pay the prices that we want them to pay because they perceive value in what we're selling and how we're selling it. I love that. I love that was the catalyst for your journey. That's fantastic. So for my listeners who maybe haven't read your book and, and for those of who they are, shame on them, Lee, but uh, tell, tell them a little bit about the principles and the premise of the book. Sure. So sales differentiation, it's a philosophy that was inspired by that um, that job that I had many, 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 many moons ago. Mm. And I, I put together this philosophy and it's for any industry you can name, companies of all sizes, products, services, technology, if you sell B2B, mm. B2C, or even selling to the government. Mm. And see, what happens is we all know this. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Mm. At some point of the conversation, you're going to get to price. Yep. And the person on the other side of the desk is going to attempt to reconcile the price that you put in front of them relative to the value that they perceive. Mm. And for them, that's when the game begins. Mm. Did this salesperson demonstrate enough value to support the price that's been put in front of them? Mm. And a lot of salespeople struggle with that. Yes. And it leaves them with no option but to drop the price to win the deal. Mm. And that's not anyone's business model. We want to protect margins when we're selling. 
So my core objective is to help salespeople win more deals at the prices they want. Yes. And the book is broken into two sections, as you know, Tony. Yeah. The, the first half is differentiating what you sell. Yeah. Understanding what your differentiators are, when they're relevant, to whom they're relevant. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, being able to position them in a meaningful way so that someone on the other side of the desk is just as excited about those differentiators as you are. Yes. The, the other side of sales differentiation, which is the second half of the book, yeah. is sales differentiation in how you sell. Yeah. Looking at every touch point you have, every interaction between yourself and a buyer, and challenging yourself with this question. What is it that I could do different than my, compet <clears throat> my competitors mm. that my buyers would find meaningful? Mm. So it's not different for the sake of different. Mm. It's meaningful differentiation. Yes. That made such an impact on my, my career. You know, I asked that killer question of what are you going to base your decision on? You know, I know you're speaking of my training company and two or three others, but you know, what, what is the, your number one priority on what you're basing your decision on? And when I got that and I was able to articulate my differentiator of how I can accommodate that priority, it was a game changer. So I've got two questions yes. for you. One is, how, what's your best advice of how my listeners can identify their differentiator? Great, great question. So there's two exercises that I, I, I share in the book, and I'll share it with your listeners. Mm. The first one is to make a list of your primary competitors yep. and, and put two lines, uh, one line down the middle of a page, mm. and on the left-hand side, write down the reasons why you win, and on the right-hand side, the reasons why they win. Yeah. And price can't be on either side of the ledger. Yeah. I love the that. Second and the second exercise is look at the people that are involved in the decision-making process. I call those decision influencers in the book. Yeah. Again, a sheet of paper, line down the middle on the left hand side make a list of all of the things that are keeping that person up at night yeah that you can help with that you can address mm. on the right side of the page the synergy between what's keeping them awake yeah and how you can help yeah and, and when I did that exercise, I took it as sort of another stage because I, my, my clients loved it. And we ended up, you'll love this, Lee. We ended up, do you remember the yeah. game? I think you've got this in the US, Top Trumps. You, no, you, I don't. What is it? It's, yeah, it's massive, right. called Top Trumps. It's, we, we played it as kids. And my, my son, Harry, still plays it where you can have Top Trumps for anything. So it, let's say you've got Top Trumps for Power Rangers. You might have I'll, have, okay. a red, I'll have a red Power Ranger, you've got a yellow, and it will say my strength is 58 and your strength is 48, so I win. And I ah. got So what I, when I read your book and I created this with my clients, I then got them to create their own top trumps of their company against their competition. And it made it quite fun so their sales team really understood what their superpower was over their nearest competitors. You know? That's terrific. Yeah, I really so love from that. The, those two exercises that I just described, mm. 
if you look at the why you win side and the competitor analysis and the synergy side of the decision influencer analysis, yeah. you can have a list of meaningful differentiators. Yeah. And, and I think it's genius, but I know some of my listeners might be thinking, but my, my company is so similar to my, my nearest competitor. Our, our products are almost identical. I mean, I, I do a lot of work, Lee, in the real estate yes. industry. What, what's, oh, yes. You know, and, and they'll say, you know, there's not much apart. You know, my competitors are brilliant. So what, what do we do when, when some of my listeners are struggling? against what they feel is almost an identical product or service? Well, I'll tell you what the negative consequence is. If you can't figure out how to differentiate what you sell or how you sell in a meaningful way, yep. your only remaining option is to drop your price. Yeah. So use the example of a realtor. A realtor has access to the same portfolio of homes as any other realtor. Yeah their value is demonstrated in the how you sell side of the equation. Mm. So if you look at every touch point as a realtor mm. that you have with a prospective buyer mm. and say, what is it that I can do different yeah. that that potential new homeowner would find meaningful? Yeah. Then you come to the other side of the equation because you can be representing homes. So for someone that's selling a home, mm. what is it that I can do different than my competitors that my buyers would find meaningful yes and look at every interaction how can i make it easier for them mm. how can i provide value beyond the overall purchasing experience and if you can't answer that question with something meaningful you're back to a price conversation absolutely Absolutely. And, and you, you touched on a really good point. Obviously, the first stage is identify your differentiation and then look at your, your decision influencers. But you spoke about, Lee, how you position it in the eyes of those influencers. What, what's some of your best tips of how to position your offering? So let, let, me, let me back up a step on, on, on this whole realtor piece. I'll share with you a story that really brings home this whole idea of differentiating Mm. how you sell. So my older son is a college baseball player. Yeah. When he was in high school, during his, his junior year, he was playing in, in what's called in the States an American Legion baseball tournament. Mm. This is where the college baseball scouts come looking for, for talent. Mm. And during a tournament in one week, he hit four home runs and three doubles. Wow. We didn't have to ask Stephen to contact colleges. They were now coming to us. Yeah, of course. But one thing, if you haven't been through an athlete recruiting process, it, you come to learn very quickly, this is a sale. Yeah. These coaches are trying to sell you on their institution. Mm. But they can't differentiate what they sell. They can't mm. add a major. They can't add a dorm. They can't move the campus. Mm. All of that is. The sole set of tools that they have to work with are in the how you sell sales differentiation mm. approach. And, and some of these coaches were absolutely fantastic at it, mm. and some were just horrible, yeah. miserable. Yeah. So uh, this, this one school, you know when you first drive onto a college campus, your blood pressure jumps up about 30 points. So as soon yeah. as you cross onto the campus, yeah. you know why? Can't yeah. find a place to park. Yeah. Every parking lot says uh, on a college campus, park here and we're going to tow you 
but welcome to our fine institution. Yeah, yeah. So this one school we visited, we pulled into the parking lot. Mm. Tony, there was a sign on a parking spot with Stephen's name on it. Love that. Love that. Stopped us dead in our tracks. Yeah. Then we go inside and we're greeted by the, the baseball coach who hands us an agenda for the day Fantastic. with Stephen's name printed at the top. Brilliant. And if you think about that, what did it cost that institution to do oh, those two things? Nothing. So a simple. penny, maybe, yeah. for the paper and the ink? Yeah. But think about what they did. They made us feel like Steven was the only athlete they were recruiting for any sport anywhere in the world. Yeah. And of course, that wasn't the case. Yeah. But that's how they made us feel. Yeah. And in, in sales, we, we get robotic and, and mechanical. Yes. And we forget to make people feel special. Yes. And so to come back to that realtor example, mm. when someone is selling a home, mm. there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of unknown. Yeah. How can you make them feel like they're the only homeowner that you're working with? Yeah. And if yeah. someone is looking to buy a home, again, so many emotions involved, yeah. so much unknown. Yeah. What can you do to make them feel special? Yes. And, and one of the things that I do with my consulting clients, and, mm -hmm. and this is not accidental. I, this is a conscious decision that, that I make. Yeah. I make each one of my clients feel like they're the only client that I have. Yes. How do you And do I can that? tell they feel that. We, we never have a conversation about it, but I can tell they feel that. Yeah. And how, give me a couple of examples, Lee, of how you make them feel that special. <clears throat> well, little things. Like when you're sitting in a meeting with them. Yeah. You're not checking your phone. Yeah. You're not looking at texts. You're not uh, looking disinterested. Yeah. You're actively engaged in conversation. Yes. And you're I'm looking at them in the eye. And all these things seem like table stakes, but you would be amazed how many people don't do it. Totally. And, and you go that step further. I bet you know their favorite coffee, right? So when they turn up, you've got their type of coffee, like a hazelnut latte, ready for them. Because you know your customers. I get to know their, their families, what's important to them, yeah. um, all kinds of things so that this is more than just a, a business relationship. Okay. They see that I genuinely care yeah. about their success. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example of something that I've been doing the last few weeks. Yeah. I, I put together a talk called What Salespeople Can and, and Should Do Now Because mm. of All This Uncertainty in the World. Mm. And I've gone back to all of my uh, keynote speaking clients, yeah. all of my consulting clients, active or not, and offered to deliver this 30-minute talk for them and their sales teams. Yes. And not charging a penny for it. Amazing. I bet they bit and, your arm off. And, 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 the, and the reason is, I look at this as my way of being, I'm genuinely committed to the success of my clientele. Yes. And to me, to charge them for something like this, where we're trying to right the ship. Yes. Doesn't feel right. Yes. Yes. No, that's fantastic. And I'm sure that will be acknowledged and appreciated massively for for many, many months to come. You know, I, I want to, I know you've coached probably thousands of salespeople and you, I know you've been on stage to, to thousands and thousands as a, as a great speaker. What's some of the best advice that you've been given through, throughout your sales career? Well, I'll tell you one back to my, my fitness days. Mm. Um, when, 
my first job out of college, hmm. I was the executive director of a chain of health clubs in Syracuse, New York. Yeah. It was kind of a neat story. When I was managing a gym in college, one of the members was a banker. Yeah. And I got to know him a bit and he said, Hey, I just loaned a bunch of money to these muscle heads in Syracuse, New York, and they haven't a clue how to operate the, this four health club chain. They need your help. Yeah. So that became my first job out of college, executive director of four health clubs. Yeah. And they basically gave me the keys and said, figure it out. So here I am, 22 years old, yeah. and I'm putting together marketing campaigns and writing commercials, in commercials, all this stuff. Um, and there was a really interesting learning point. I, I put together the sales promotion. Mm. And there was an incentive that if you signed up the day you came in, you mm. saved, I remember it was $50 or $100 on the membership. Yeah. And this older gentleman came in. I say older because he was probably about my age today, yeah. uh, way back when. And extended that offer to him. And he looks at me and he says, if the deal isn't good tomorrow, it isn't good today. And he got up and he walked out. Mm. And that stuck with me. I mean, I'm telling the story like it happened yesterday yeah. and this happened umpteen years ago. Yeah. And the, the takeaway for me was about being genuine. Yes. I, I thought about how he must have felt when I made that offer. Mm. And he was thinking, this is some slick salesperson who really mm. doesn't care about me. He's just trying to get a deal. Yes. And that taught me a, a lesson very early on in my sales career about being genuine, yes. being authentic, yeah. and putting the needs of your clients ahead of your own. Totally. And so that's my counsel to, to salespeople. And I, I wish I could teach you to be genuine. Yeah. <laughs> but if I could, I'd be a trillionaire. Forget billions because that's now blase. I'd be yeah. a trillionaire if I could teach you to be genuine. Yeah. You Either you are or you're not. Yeah. And, and so if you genuinely care about the success of your clients, mm. then your heart's always in the right place and how you communicate with them. Like today, for example, given what's going on, a lot of salespeople are afraid to call clients and they're afraid to prospect. Yes. And, and what I tell them is, if your heart is in the right place, you'll never be wrong. Never. Yes. Yes. I if your wallet with you. is what you lead with, you got a problem. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I was, I was lucky to uh, have Larry Levine, you know, selling from the heart. He, oh, he's an awesome guy. What a guy. Love Larry. So I was on his podcast yesterday with Daryl and, he came on mine a couple of weeks back, but, but that's what, nice. you know, but what you just said, Lee resonates with, with selling from the heart. You've got to believe and love what you do and, and you've got to genuinely, and I think that's the key. You have to care. Yes. Right? What, aside yes. from that, you know, genuine sincerity of, of actually caring for your customers, what else do you believe makes a top sales performer today? So there's, there's a metaphor, and, and I know you had my, my buddy Jeb Blunt on your show, uh, and he talks a lot about salespeople being the athletes in the business world. Uh, mm. Did he share that with you? No, he didn't actually. <clears throat> didn't. Okay, that, that's one of the, the, the concepts he talks about, and, and where he and I disagree on that yeah. is 
I, I am an athlete. I told you I compete in powerlifting. I competed in bodybuilding way back when. I have a son that's a, an athlete, and I've got, uh, or I should say, two sons that are athletes. Uh, one of my long-term clients is the San Francisco Giants AAA baseball team. I've been immersed in that world. And what you see in athletes is that they will work countless hours, yeah. countless days, countless weeks, countless months to improve their skill set. Mm. So that when they're in the game, mm. when they're in competition, they perform flawlessly. Mm. Most salespeople don't do that. Mm. They keep playing the game over and over again, hoping to get better. Yes. And so when, when you talk about my counselor suggestions to salespeople mm. is every day, look for ways to make yourself better. None of us is perfect. Totally. And especially given the, these times today, we have more time to, to invest to do this. Look for the areas of sales and say, you know what? I could be better at prospecting. Yeah. I could be better at discovery. I could be better at positioning the capabilities my, my company has to offer. Yeah. And invest the time to learn how to do that and turn a weakness into a strength. I love that so much. And I was actually talking to my wife about this last week. One of my favorite books I ever read, I don't know if you read this, Bounce by Matthew Said. No. Oh, great book. I'd recommend it massively. And, and he, he studies top performers in all different areas of, 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 of industry. And he was, he was looking, studying the top skaters, ice skaters in the world. And what was very mm -hmm. interesting is the, I can't remember the lady's name, but the top ice skater, he'd proven from research, had fallen over over double the amount of times in practice than the person who came second. And that's yeah. exactly what you just touched on there. You know, it's having that, that desire to just keep grafting and practicing. Why do you think, Lee, so many salespeople are unwilling to practice? It's not fun. Yeah. And I'll give you another one. And you'll find this hard to believe. I don't believe in role playing. Mm. How come? I don't think that gives it the seriousness for what it truly is. I call it skill practice. Yeah. We're not, we're not playing. We're enhancing and developing our skill set. Mm. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. And I, I think you're right. An athlete and, and practicing and skill set development for athletes isn't a lot of fun either. Yeah. No different than sales, but you can get away with it in sales. Yeah. If you want to be an athlete. So when you're an athlete, you said, this is going to be my career. Mm. and I want to succeed. Well, salespeople, you've said this is going to be my career. Yeah. So why not make the investment to be the best that you can be every single day? Yeah, absolutely. And that means making appointments with yourself to work on knowledge and skill development. I love that. That's a really nice way of looking at making an appointment with yourself. I've never seen it that way. That's a fantastic tip. You know, I, I always say to people, I don't know if you're a tennis fan, but Roger Federer is like my hero. Oh, sure. You know, and, and I always say if Roger yep. Federer still has a coach, then no one's got an excuse. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think it's key. What I want to ask you, Lee, what's one of the, the sales that you're most proud of that you've ever made in your life? And, and what was probably the biggest takeaways that you learned from that experience? So that, and that one comes to mind very, very quickly. Um, 
after I, I worked in a few different industries building some sales teams and I spent uh, about 10 years as an executive in the workplace drug testing industry. Mm. And uh, there's a company here in the in the States that is considered the brass ring of your client portfolio that if you can get this client and make them happy, mm. you're going to have a parade coming to your door of clients that want to come and work with you yeah. because their program was so complex. And we built this technology that at the time the industry had never seen before. Mm. And we, um, we had been working with the, the program manager and this was on an annual basis, probably seven, $8 million a year. Wow. Good size deal. Yeah. Um, and the, everything's going great. The program manager loves every aspect of what our approach is. And, um, then she calls me on a Friday afternoon and says, Hey, I've been doing some checking. Yeah. And it turns out the only way we can make a change is through an RFP, a request for proposal. Yeah. And like most salespeople hearing that my heart sank. Hmm. And I said, okay, great. Um, when the RFP is, is ready, you know, send it, send it over. Yeah. The RFP comes out and what's in the RFP, the questions bear no resemblance whatsoever to what this program manager had said she needed and wanted. Yeah. So we went through it. I got together with my team and this was, was a huge RFP. Mm. We estimated it was going to take about 40 hours to, to complete it. Mm. Got with the team. We said, you know what? This RFP does not give us the opportunity to describe the solution that this program manager said she loved so much. Mm. And there's no opportunity for us to differentiate ourselves. So we're going to lose. Yeah. So I called the program manager back mm. and I said, I, I want to thank you for the time that, that we've spent together. Mm. But I wanted to let you know personally that we've decided not to participate in that RFP process. Mm. And Tony, she freaked. Yeah, She's okay. like, how can you do this to me? I've already told everyone we're switching to you. Yeah. And I said, did, did you read the RFP that went out? And she said, no. She says, Let me get a copy of that and I'll call you back in a half hour. Yeah. She calls me back. She says, ah, I see your problem. I said, so then you also understand why we're, we're not going to participate. Yeah. And, and by the way, if, if for those of you that are listening to this, I'm sure you've never been in a situation where you get an RFP that bears no resemblance to the conversation yeah. you've had with the, yeah. with, with the, the prospect. Yeah. And uh, she says, okay, let's do this. Put the RFP aside, and I'd like to have you come in mm. and present to my team mm. and uh, our procurement officers. Mm. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. And we were asked to come in the Monday after the Super Bowl, which is significant because this company is one of the huge sponsors of the Super Bowl. Right. So we come in and half the room is her program team and the other half are procurement officers who, as they describe, we're just here to help. Yeah. I'm not sure who they're here to help, but they're here to help. Yeah. And uh, so we take them through our service model. We take them through our technology. And just as I finish, this program manager, I kid you not, stood up in the conference room, put her arms in the air, and yelled, touchdown. Really? I love that. The procurement officers dropped their heads because they knew they were done. Yeah. We wound up 
winning this deal without ever throwing out that RFP. Wow. I bet you there's still competitors wondering when a decision is going to be made on that RFP, <laughs> but it got cast aside. And, and the reason why was we differentiated ourselves in the process yeah. and we made it impossible to put us in a matrix where you could say, okay, there's three providers. This one has this, this one has that. Who's yeah. the cheapest price? We go with them. Yeah. That's amazing. What a great story. I think it's, it's having the, the audacity yeah, and the courage to say, I'm not even getting involved because I don't want price to be my only differentiator. Uh, well, and some salespeople look at the RFP process like like people look at the lottery. You yeah. got to be in it to win it. Yeah. And, and I look at it as there is no law in any country anywhere that says every RFP that comes across your desk, you must participate. Absolutely. So you have a decision when this comes in that you have to make mm. and you have to decide, do I have a real opportunity to win this piece of business. Absolutely. If you don't have a relationship coming in and you're not the low price provider, yeah. the likelihood of you even getting to the table is somewhere between slim and none. And you're right. And, so, and you, I'd sorry to jump in there, Lee, you identified 40 yeah. hours of your investment, you know, and that's a huge time investment that could be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. We only get so many hours in our day and, and no one gets any more or less than anyone else. And success is based on the decisions you make in how you invest every minute of every day. Absolutely. And looking at an RFP that was going to take 40 man hours to complete, knowing full well what the outcome was going to be, yeah. did not make any sense from an investment perspective. That's fantastic. Love, I love that. Lee, I know you've written five books. You've got another one coming out. Before, before I, I talk about that to finish off, what are your top three sales books that's probably helped serve you the best? Well, I'm going to tell you from a recent perspective, because just like I talk about constantly enhancing your knowledge and skills, I do the same thing. Yeah. I love Jeb's book, Fanatical Prospecting. My, one of my favorites. I loved Selling from the Heart from Larry Levine. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And then there's a book that recently uh, came out, uh, Mark Hunter's book, A Mind for Sales. Yeah. Another fantastic read. I've got him next week. I can't wait to interview him. It's perfect. Perfect. Great, great, great book. Yeah, absolutely. So Lee, where, where can my audience reach out and, and read some of your amazing content, get your books, etc.? Thank you. So um, the, my two most recent books are Sales Differentiation and Higher Right, Higher Profits, mm. uh, which is a book on hiring and onboarding salespeople. Um, they're available on Amazon or whatever your favorite book purchasing website mm. uh, is. Sales differentiation is available in hardcover, Kindle, and audiobook. Yeah. Um, and High Right, Higher Profits is in a softcover book, but there's also a, a Kindle version. Yeah. Um, and then as far as to reach me, you can reach me at my website, which is Sales Architects, and that's plural, A-R-C-H-I-T-E-C-T-S dot com. Fantastic. Lee, thank you so much for giving up your valuable time and sharing some absolute gold with my listeners. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Tony, I did not. I did, I'm going to correct you there. I did not give up my valuable time. I invested my time wisely. I've had an absolute blast with oh, you today. Thank you, Lee. Really, really thank you. Um, and uh, stay safe. I hope your family stays safe. And an uh, absolute pleasure having you on the show. To you as well and your family. 
Keep well. Thanks, my friend.